Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Deepwater Podcast. So today, I guess it was after the second or third episode, my brother asked me, he's like, so why do you call it deep water? Like maybe everyone, they may not catch all the connections of why you call it the deep water podcast. So today we were just going to chat about why do we call it the deep water podcast? Why do we host it on a website called luke5.com and what in the world that means and why we should always keep making vague water analogies in our podcasting life. Dave, if I can, let me just paint a picture for you of Luke 5. Luke, Luke 5 is one of my favorite passages, has been for about three years now. Yeah, I've heard you talk about it. Yeah, so I, it started out, I was uh, waiting for the birth of my third child, and that's how I know how many years it's been a favorite. And I was reading this book, and it was about a guy who had worked in southwest China, maybe around the turn of the century, around 1900. And he worked with a people called the Lisu. And the, there was this point in time, like, things just hadn't been going. And then there was this point in time, and the title of the chapter was, And the, and the Nets Broke. And it's just this huge move of God among this people. And so it's a great book. I believe it's called, oh, what's it called? I'll find the name and put it in the podcast notes. I want to say Mountain Rain or something like that. Anyway, so that started me studying Luke 5. And and the more I studied it, the more I liked it. So let me let me paint a picture for you. This is how I picture Luke 5 happening. And we're just talking the first 11 verses. So, you know, Jesus, he's by the lake of, of Galilee or Gennesaret, as they say it here. And I don't know how it starts, but I picture it like he was, he's, he's down there by the sea. Someone comes and asks him a question. He answers it. As he's answering it, some other people gather and then as other people gather and they like what they're hearing, they, they just more and more people start gathering around Jesus. It gets to the point where they're like, they're like crowding in to hear him. And, you know, was it, I don't know what, you know, it starts out there's 10 and then there's 20 and then there's 50 and then maybe 100, maybe a couple hundred. And it gets to the point in time where Jesus is feeling the waters on his back, back of his uh, heel. He looks around, sees a couple boats picture a big burly fisherman by one of them and the guys are cleaning their nets and he says hey can i can i get in your boat and and peter says yeah and jesus says okay just just keep it right by the shore so i i don't get crowded and i can teach and then he sits down in the boat and he teaches and i just imagine as he's teaching not just the people i mean we already know they were crowding around him but i imagine these fishermen they're listening to him and they're just just like hanging on every word and you know just like we have things in our Bible, sometimes they're like, man, that's hard to understand. There was things in the Old Testament uh, in the, the time what these men would have studied and, and known as the as the scriptures, things they didn't understand. Yeah. And I feel like as, as Jesus was explaining those and teaching them, like like light bulbs were coming on and they're just like, man, what an amazing teacher. And, and so he finishes teaching them. And by now, I feel like it's probably the, the sun's up in the sky. You got the fishermen that have been cleaning their nets. Sweat's kind of dripping off their face as they're doing their work. Peter's kind of idly working the oars. Finishes, the crowd leaves, and he turns to Peter and all of Peter's nets that are all packed up nice and tight. And he says, uh, let's, let's go out into deep water and let's throw our nets out for some fish. Let's do some fishing. And I could just imagine Peter thinking like, oh, 
Are you kidding me? Ugh, please tell me he didn't just say this. You know, he imagines like all of the nets that he just cleaned that he's fixing to go get dirty. And actually in the original language, and I only know this because my Bible has a has a footnote that says it, that the verb is plural. So Jesus wasn't like, hey, let's go out and throw our nets out once. He's like, hey, let's go throw our nets out multiple times. And so he's like, great. And so he says, you know, Peter turns to Jesus and he says, oh, Master, man, we have worked hard all night long and haven't caught anything. And the way I see the the story in my line is is Jesus or Peter pauses and he says and he's just like waiting you know he loves that like listen get, listen listen dude we have we've already tried this all night long we didn't get nothing I mean like all night long we were out there and I I imagine that he just waits for a minute and waits for Jesus to be like hey you're right okay well hey, look, we'll do it another day okay but Jesus doesn't do that he just keeps staring at Peter. So Jesus just keeps looking at him. Peter looks at him. And when Peter realizes, like, okay, he's not going to give in, he says, okay, because you say so, I'll let down the nets. You know, and so Jesus has told him to go to deep water. And I've done a lot of research about deep water. And I don't really know what that meant. And I've got conflicting reports. But anyway, Jesus says, let's go to deep water. Peter finally begrudgingly, like, says, okay. And then, you know, they get in the boat. He calls the guys that are working for him. They, like, roll their eyes. They're like, when will my boss just tell this guy, hey, not today, man. We're done. They get in the boat. They start rowing back out to deep water. And it's like, ah, oh, couldn't he have just said, like, why don't we go just a little off the shore? We can throw the nets a time or two and call it done. But no, they keep rowing to deep water. And you know how you, when you've worked all day and your body's just exhausted? Like, that's how I see these men. And now it's not like rowing out to the deep, you know, when you've had a had a had a day of rest and you're ready to go get it and it's cool night air, you know, it's like the heat of the day. And so they get out there and they throw their nets out and nothing. And they pull them back up and they glance up at Jesus. And Jesus just stares there. So they throw them out again and they gather them out. And they throw them out again. And all of a sudden, Something happens. They throw them out, and like all of a sudden, there's like this jerk on the on the nets, you know. And like like instantly, the uh, fisherman instinct in all these men is like jumps up to the the top of attention, and they're like, "Oh my word!" You know, and they're I have no idea what you do with nets. <laughs> they're pulling the nets and hanging them and grabbing them, and all of a sudden they start hearing this pop, pop, and they realize like their nets are starting to break. Peter's like, hey, stop, stop, hold the nets, hold the nets, don't get them in. You know, and he he whistles to James and John or yells or waves his hand or whatever, signals to his partners, you know, and they row out there as fast as they can. And together they, you know, they work the nets and the, you know, the other boat probably threw their nets out and they load the, the they load it down. And the Bible says they load it down so much that both boats are beginning to sink. I mean, they're like maxed out. And suddenly in the midst of all this, Peter looks at Jesus and all of a sudden he realizes, like, wait a minute. Like, this isn't just some great Bible teacher standing in my boat. Like, I don't know what's happening, but but this guy's different. And and what I picture in my mind, it's as though it's just like a corner of Jesus's robe has come up and a shot of his divinity has like flashed out. A ray of Jesus's divinity shoots out and Peter falls down and just this conviction comes over him being in the presence of God. And he's like, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. 
And Jesus touches him, he looks down at him, and he says, Don't be afraid, Peter. This overwhelming sense of, of this dread of being in the presence of a holy God and being a sinful and dirty man. And Jesus says, Don't be afraid. And he goes back and he says, From now on you're gonna you're gonna catch men. And I don't know what the Greek says, in the Chinese it says, In the same way you're going to catch men. And it says they, they pulled their boats to shore, left everything, and followed Jesus. And so it's just this amazing story. And for me, what I what I think about is, you know, I, I've looked up I've looked up what that meant, tried to look up at like fishing trends back in the beginning zero something AD. And I, I get conflicting reports. The one thing that's clear from Scripture is that Peter didn't, wherever it was Jesus was sending him, Peter didn't want to go. He said, go out to deep water. And Peter's like, no, please not that. Anywhere but there. But the deep water, you know, that's where the fish are. And that that's where the nets begin to break. And so for us calling this podcast The Deep Water I th- and and making it about discipleship, I feel like when we will go where Jesus wants to go, where he sends us, and we'll do things the way Jesus did things, then we'll get the results that Jesus wants to get. And those will be the times when our nets are breaking, when the when the church overflows. Does that make any sense? you agree, disagree? Yeah, I, I'm kind of like you, James. I haven't. I don't know a lot about the history, but I have heard that the fishing was done at night. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the same thing? Well, at least from this passage, we could say Peter had fished all night, so we at least know that was true. Okay, even if it was just that one time in his life. Yeah. Yeah, but we would assume that was a normal thing. Yeah. Yeah, the takeaway I get from it is basically that Jesus had a plan for what was going to happen and for the disciples to realize the the victory that Jesus had there, they had to, they had to let him call the shots as to where to go. And I get the feeling that they couldn't rely on their past experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, they, okay. Okay. Barring Jesus's omniscient, or maybe you, maybe you're of the school of thought that he laid aside certain omnipotent qualities of his divinity to be on earth. They were the experts. They should have known mm-hmm. when was or wasn't good to go. And, they couldn't, it seems like if they were to have, if they had let themselves get caught up on what they knew, their past experiences, they they never would have realized what happened. Yeah. What would have happened. Yeah. They had to obey. And it really was. Everything in their fishermen bodies had to have said, like, not this time, not right now. And we know later there's another place where Jesus is like, hey, throw your boats on the other side, your nets on the other side of the boat. So it wasn't even like this big change, but like you have to obey and you have to do things Jesus's way. And for me, something that would have been missing as a church, something I missed for a good portion of my life, is this obedience to the command to make disciples. And I really picture in a lot of ways making disciples is like building this net. If you want to follow, continue with the same analogy, like every disciple you make is like a strand or a portion of the net. And if your nets aren't mended or your nets aren't ready, had Peter went out there with a fishing rod, it could have been the same school of fish and hit a caught one fish, maybe two if he rigged it up for double hooks or something. But you know, they just, you had to have a net and you had to have it ready and you had to have it strong enough that it could hold the, hold the fish. And we know 
just from the story, we know it didn't even hold all the fish that were there. Like their net started breaking. They had to call some other partners. And so for us as a church, as a, as a body of Christ, we have to have people that are that are able to hold the nets. When the fish come, you have to be able to hold the nets. And I think about how many people like come into our church, try God for a little while, and then leave having not found God, not experienced God. And some of that, I think, is because we haven't had someone that can that pull them in and say, hey, let me invest some time with you. Let me invest some time helping you discover if God's real or not. Let me invest some time helping you grow so that you can go back to your family and friends and share what you know with them. And we have these these nets with gaping holes in it, or we have these we have these professionals. You know, we send them off, we get them uh, highly trained, highly educated, and so it's like, oh, what we'll do? We'll build a net with like four really big, strong, strong ropes. That'll be great. Well, you need some strong ropes in your net, but you need a lot of ropes. And and every time hmm. we make a disciple who's able to hold a portion of the of the net, you know, if you're if you're God and you're directing lost people, you're working in the hearts of lost people and you want to direct them to a church, a body of Christ, who do you direct them to? Do you direct them to the church that's that doesn't have any nets ready? Or do you direct them to the church that has some has some capacity to take people he sends our way, help them grow in faith, grow in him? And ultimately you know you have to have you have to have pastors you have to have leaders but you need the whole body of Christ functioning and so disciple making is what that's about it's about helping everyone grow up in that and so the hope with this podcast is that we can encourage people to begin making disciples and you know there there it, there is an element of it still here in the church but it's a it's much smaller you know if we say that Mostly people say 10 to 20% of people in the church do everything in the church. What would it be if we took those same 10 to 20% and we taught them how to raise somebody else up spiritually? Like what changes with our church? That's going to be a dramatic change. Now, it may take a few years for that momentum to get going, for you to have built enough net before you really start filling in the holes and catching, catching men in the same way that Peter caught those fish. But it's going to happen. It's going to be dramatic. But if we keep doing things, if we keep doing things our fishermen ways, like, hey, I know where, you know, this is the way we've always done it. This is the way I grew up doing it. Then we're, you know, we're going to have a, a fish all night and, and caught no fishes. But if we'll stop and say, okay, wait, yeah. Jesus said this, and this is how he did it. Let's do it the same way. I think Jesus is going to send us where the fish are. And when I think of deep yeah. water, to clarify, like I don't think of deep water as this place like, oh, it's 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 above my head where I can't swim. Well, well, yeah, it is that. I don't, but I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. I don't think the analogy holds there. I think of deep water as the place where the fish are, the place where the harvest is, the place where the catch is. And yeah, that may be deeper than yeah. you're used to, or it may be just a place you're not thinking about going, or a place you think, well, that doesn't look very fruitful. And yet God's like, no, no, trust me, go there. I have a harvest there. I have a group of fish ready to be caught. I just need someone with obedience, a boat and a net. They will go out there and throw their nets out multiple times. Mm. Yeah. James, what do you think? You've obviously thought about this passage a, a lot. What do you think about, uh, as people kind of begin to think about it, seems like a really natural step, is to think about where do I spend it? And, you know, the Bible 
heard it said the Bible was written not about us, but it was it was written for us. But as we look at this story and we begin to imagine where we see ourselves in it, maybe do you think it's possible that some people are kind of in the role of the other fishermen whom were on the shore where Jesus may have given someone else a calling. Part of our calling is to say, hey, my nets are breaking. Come and join the work. Mm-hmm. Not to say that people, we should all, you know, listen for Jesus's voice and what he has to say to us personally. But I just wonder too, sometimes we're so individualistic and kind of thinking that it's all about our call in life. Uh-huh. Maybe part of where we find ourselves in the story are the other disciples on the shore or the other fishermen who hear the voice of our, please hurry, get out here. We've got nets breaking. Come on, get, come, get, get in your boat. Come, come, come. Mm-hmm. We find ourselves joining the work. Yeah. I think it goes back to the point of, of again, in the story, if Peter didn't have, there's all kinds of things that are happening here. If Peter didn't have partners already prepared, then you lose at least half the catch, if not all of it. Maybe you lose nearly all of it because your nets just break and they all get away. Like you have to have partners. And you're right that we're very individualistic. And I I myself find that way. And sometimes I just want to be like, can't I just do it, God? Just you and me and let's just go do it. And God's like, uh, don't be foolish, James. Like, you you definitely can't do it by yourself. And you need people that are around you and that are ready and that are encouraging you and that are working together with you. You also have some interesting things going on. If you think about this, what if what if Peter hadn't fished all night and caught no fishes? What would have happened then? Hmm. Well, he probably wouldn't have been on the shore hmm. cleaning his nets. He'd have been in the market selling his fish. You know, and, and so there's there's amount of certain amount of time. Like sometimes you have to fish all night and catch no fishes, and somewhere you have to learn how to manage the nets. You know, it's kind of like you and I both grew up on ranches, and so you know, you somewhere you learn to handle a rope a little bit. I'm a lousy roper, but I can you know flip one around a time or two and make it look like I know what I'm doing. But if you ever give a rope to somebody new, even like a grown up, you know, just they they can't even twirl it. It just looks it looks silly. It feels silly. It's awkward. And the same's got to be true for fishermen and nets. I just, I don't have any experience there. So like if it had been me in the boat and Jesus had told me to throw them out and I threw them out and the fish, you know, hit the nets, I'd have still lost them all or most of them because I don't know how to handle the nets. And so Peter, you know, God had used this, this lifetime of preparation and all those fumbling the first awkward time he went out with his dad and trying to help and learning the nets and like all these things. And the the night of fishing all night, not catching anything, like God used all of those things. And all of those things were necessary so that when Jesus told Peter to throw out the nets, he knew how to. And when the fish hit, he knew how to catch them. He knew how to pull them Mm. in. He knew what to do if his nets started breaking. Yeah. Yeah, I've never thought about that. It's almost kind of like in our humanness, we think, we say like Mary and Martha, Jesus, if you had come the night before, if you'd come already, our brother Lazarus wouldn't be dead. Mm-hmm. And God allows, he like, He allows us to spend the whole night fishing and not catch anything. He, it may be a part of his purpose. So all we see are results, results, results. That's, that is interesting though. Unless, yeah, unless he had had that night, the story, if he had a net full of fish that night, the story really wouldn't be that spectacular. 
Mm-hmm. He'd be like, yeah, Jesus, I could have done that anyway. Now I have twice as many fish to deal with. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm a great fisherman. Thanks. I love the way you teach. I'll come back sometime when you're speaking. Right? Yeah. But instead it changes the course of his life. And I think sometimes as mature and growing believers, sometimes we look around and we're like, God, man, where's my fruit? Like I'm, I am trying to follow you. What's going on? And God's training us, teaching us, and, and in his time. And sometimes I think back, it's like, man, God, why didn't I know about this when I was in college or 18 or the first time I ran into it? You know, like, why didn't, why didn't I catch this? And huh? God in his timing and his perfect timing knows everything. But I hope that there's yeah. a day, you know, where, where he sends me to deep water. And I hope, I hope I'm in there on the journey now, you know, like I hope all these things are coming together. Mm-hmm. And we hope that there is a large... A large, large harvest, and not just this harvest of fish that's like, wow, and we gut them and sell them, but like this harvest of men that in turn become fellow fishers of men that learn how to how to be a part of the net, learn how to make another part of the net, and we have this huge harvest for the Lord. Because at this point in time, in America, you know, our, our churches aren't keeping up with population growth. You know, we're, in generally speaking, we're losing the battle. And that's not what what Jesus promised. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't overcome it. And so we really hope with this podcast that it can be an encouragement to those of us who are already looking to grow in Christ to say, hey, listen, let's specifically look at this command. I think it's one of the most important commands in the Bible, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's it's important enough that we've given it a name. There's only so many passages that we've given a name in the Bible, but this is one of them. (laughs) One of the last commands Jesus gives to his his followers before he ascends back up into heaven, go and make disciples. And that major, major command there is make disciples. And so, well, let's look at that and let's see, well, how did Jesus make disciples? And let's, let's try to do the same thing. And obviously we're not going to get it done ourselves. We're going to need other Christian brothers and sisters. And also, we're not going to get it done without the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be this human effort or this super brainy, intelligent, deeper understanding, and we we went out and did it. But no, we're going we're gonna to obey Christ. Christ is going to work in us, through us, and lead us to where he's already working in lost people's lives. And he's going to bring them in, and he's going to raise them up, and they're going to bring their family and friends in. And we're going to see an amazing harvest. And that is why we call it the Deep Water Podcast. And we're really glad that you guys came along with us. And hope that you'll keep on coming with us. If you have a friend that you think would be interested, tell them about the podcast. We'd love for them to listen. We'd love to have more listeners. And also, if you have a friend that you think, wow, this would be this would be great. You might start thinking, praying about, start meeting together with them and basically discipling one another to begin practicing. This is what it looks like. If you have questions, please let us know. We're here to help. We love you guys. God bless you. Yeah, and if, uh, one thing I would say to James is if if you're seeing God bring some victory in your life, if if you're trying this out, making disciples, trying to follow Jesus on this journey, uh, James has mentioned what our, our email is, uh, podcast at luke5.com. Let us know. Let us be encouraged. Courage, so we can, so we can be encouraged to go run the race better too. Yeah, exactly. Like you guys. Until next time. See you. Thank you.
heard that Bob Will song that goes, I'm drifting into deep water. I'm starting to care for you. And your love is getting deep water. Please be careful what you do. Have you ever heard that? No, I haven't, but I have now. We'll make it our new theme song. Yeah, it's it's one of those where he's like, now you want a romance, but I'm seeking love. I know I'll regret it when it ends. So not all the lyrics really fit our theme, but, <laughs> but the chorus. The, the chorus is, is like, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, really just one sentence of the chorus. 